0: The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching.
1: One of the great joys of being in the Holy Land is an opportunity to share the Word of God where it all began. We recently held our ministry's annual Christmas outreach appropriately in the little town of Bethlehem. And i spoke to local palestinian christians and some muslims on the intriguing topic why did god choose mary to be the mother of the lord and today i'll share with you 12 reasons all from the bible why god chose mary to be the mother of the messiah Hello, I'm Christine Darg. It was the Apostle Paul who explained in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the written law. That simply means there was a specific generation in which God would choose a specific woman to give birth to His Son according to specifications revealed in the Torah, the writings of the Old Testament. Paul described the birth of the Son of God not merely as an ordinary human birth, but also as an ordinary Jewish birth. And he therefore wrote, born of a woman, born under the law. In other words, Jesus was subjected to the practice of circumcision and to all other ordinances of Jewish law like any other Jewish male child. Many Jewish women had hoped that they would be the special one chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. But of course, only one woman could hold that unique honor. Well, 2 Chronicles 16.9 declares that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. That verse was recorded for our instruction because God loves those who trust Him, and He's displeased when He's distrusted. So in searching all the young virgins of Mary's generation, why do you suppose that God chose Mary out of potential thousands upon thousands of other candidates? First of all, and this is very important, She had to be a descendant of King David in order for certain prophecies to be fulfilled. In order to fulfill the law and the prophets, Jesus needed to be born of the house of David. In other words, he must be a Jew, a Hebrew. The New Testament provides two accounts of the genealogy of Jesus, one in the Gospel of Matthew and another in the Gospel of Luke. Matthew's account follows the lineage of Mary's husband, the legal father of Jesus, while Luke's account follows the lineage of Mary. The genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke demonstrates that Mary was indeed a descendant of the house of David, as was her betrothed husband Joseph. So this fact narrows down the candidates of Mary's generation considerably. But still, there were other qualities of Mary that we want to examine and learn from when we consider this special call and her election of God. After acknowledging that Mary qualified to be the mother of our Lord by virtue of being a virgin and being a descendant of King David, the angel Gabriel gives us other clues as to why God chose Mary. Gabriel visited Mary in the town of Nazareth, where she was living, and greeted her like this. He said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The angel's address means that she is especially chosen and favored of the Most High to attain the honor Jewish mothers have so long desired. Although we are nowhere instructed in the Bible to pray to Mary, we ought certainly to praise God for her election and her character. The angel Gabriel's appearance in salutation troubled Mary. This reveals her humility, a second reason why God chose her. And the Holy Spirit showed me that reason number three is that we learn from the angel's salutation that Mary was highly favored because she was full of grace. And let's consider grace. I want to stop for a moment and talk about this very important point. In the Old Testament, the term that most often is translated grace is chen. And in the New Testament, it is taros. In the Old Testament, the word chen occurs about 60 times. And some of the definitions of chen are favor, grace, even elegance. It's used concerning the ideal of Proverbs 31 woman, and a verse in that chapter says that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Mary was full of grace because she had a reverential fear of the Lord. The term grace occurs most often in the biblical phrase that someone found favor in God's sight. You see, God is like a watchful master, and He confers favor upon an obedient person. Mary wasn't unique in being full of grace. Many persons in the Bible, including Jesus Himself, are described in the Word of God as being full of grace. The concept of finding favor with God first occurred in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8 which says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And over in the New Testament, Stephen the first Christian martyr was a deacon in Jerusalem who according to Acts 6, 8, was a man full of God's grace and power, doing great signs and wonders amongst the people. John 1:14 describes the Lord Jesus as the Word who became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, full of grace and truth. In Colossians 4.6, the Apostle Paul admonishes us to let our conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. In the Old Testament, Queen Esther was more pleasing to the king than all the other candidates because the Bible says she was more full of grace than all the other virgins. So Mary was like Queen Esther, full of grace, highly favored. She was poised, gracious, and a joyful personality, but most of all devoted to God. Now let's move on with the other points the Holy Spirit gave me in my recent message to Christians of various backgrounds and also some Muslims who attended our meeting in Bethlehem. Reason number four, I believe God chose Mary because she was a believer and not a doubter. Mary's reply to the angel Gabriel was the language of faith. And when he said that she would be the mother of the Messiah, she didn't ask for a special sign of confirmation. Whenever God has a mission to be performed, he cannot work with doubters and unbelievers. He must find a person of faith. When Mary asked Gabriel how it would be possible to bear a child as a virgin, he said to her, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And the beautiful thing is that Mary believed this word. We know she believed without questioning or accusing God because she didn't hesitate. She answered immediately, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. She didn't stop to fear the inevitable accusations and slander that would occur. She was ready and willing to pay the price. And God is still looking for messengers of his glory today who will be willing to pay the price. Are you one of them? She said, let it be unto me according to your word. So the angel assured Mary for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And that's one of my very favorite scriptures, and I'm taking it as my Rhema word for this year that nothing shall be impossible in our ministry if I'll only have the faith to believe all of God's promises. We're believing in our ministry for at least a million souls to be won before the return of Jesus. Mary demonstrated that she was a believer with a gift of extraordinary, miracle-working faith. Do you recall the story of Gideon in the Old Testament? When God commissioned him, he asked for signs. He set a fleece before the Lord. Hezekiah also asked for a sign, but Mary did not demand a sign. Nevertheless, to encourage her, the angel Gabriel offered her an exciting bit of information that her elderly relative Elizabeth, who had been barren, was now six months pregnant. Immediately, Mary set out to visit Elizabeth. And guess who was the first person to acknowledge the holy baby in Mary's womb? It was another baby. John the Baptist was in Elizabeth's womb, and, she, and he leapt in her womb when he heard the greeting of Mary to Elizabeth. And by the way, that's another reason why abortion is wrong, because John the Baptist was only in six months' gestation in the womb, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit, even in the womb, and he was somehow spiritually cognizant of the arrival of Mary and of the Holy Seed implanted in her womb. Elizabeth prophesied in a loud voice, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Let's emphasize that. Blessed is she who believed, not blessed is she who doubted, but blessed is she who believed that the promise of the virgin birth of the Messiah would be fulfilled. God loves a real believer. They're too rare. But in fact, Hebrews 11.6 teaches us that without faith, it's simply impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. Mary's faith surely pleased God, yet it's important to acknowledge that God did not choose Mary because she was sinless. Not once does this Bible claim that Mary was sinless or that she had experienced an immaculate conception. The Bible doesn't teach that Mary was preserved from original sin. In fact, Mary stated in her song called the Magnificat in Luke chapter 1 and verse 47, that her spirit rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary openly declared her need of a Savior just like everyone else. Mary needed a Savior as much as you and I need the Savior. Not once does this Bible say that Mary was divine or that we should worship her. In fact, as the church was birthed, as recorded in the book of Acts, the apostles continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with the brothers of Jesus. So please note, it doesn't say that they prayed to Mary. It says that they prayed with Mary and she prayed in unity with them to God. She was certainly honored as the mother of Jesus, but she was not above them. She was a part of the company of the redeemed. Now, reason number five another reason why God chose Mary is that she was peaceful and not a busybody. She didn't blow her own horn and say, Look at me, I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah. She was discreet and very careful to conduct herself wisely. Reason number six, most of all, God chose Mary, not because she was wealthy or well-educated, but primarily because she revered God's Word. You see, God could not entrust the upbringing of the Messiah, the Son of God, to just any woman. But the mother of the Lord had to be a woman of God who treasured God's Word, and who stored God's law in her heart. You see, the Bible tells us that God chose Abraham because of his parenting skills. The Messiah who was to enter the world and bruise the head of Satan was to come through the seed of woman, according to Genesis 3.15. And then Genesis 12 teaches that this seed was to come specifically from the family of Abraham. So of all the people on earth, why did God choose Abraham? Well, the Bible doesn't leave us to speculate about that. Concerning Abraham, God said in Genesis eighteen nineteen, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and that they shall keep the way of the Lord. Therefore, we can see that God chooses parents who will command their children and who will teach them the Word of God. And so God saw that Mary would be a proper mentor for Jesus. Mary's song, known in the Bible as the Magnificat, reveals her vast knowledge of Scripture and demonstrates that she rightly handled the Word of God. The Magnificat is similar to Hannah's song in the Old Testament. The text of Mary's Canticle is recorded in Luke chapter one and verses 46 to 55. And here I want to read that she exclaimed this on the occasion of her visitation to Elizabeth. In the narrative, after Mary greets Elizabeth, John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb then Elizabeth praises Mary for her faith, and Mary responds with these poetic words. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary specifically makes reference to her loyalty to the people of Israel when she says in verse 54 and 55, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His seed forever. This pure outburst of joy, the Magnificat, demonstrates that Mary was a prophetess because only a prophetess can talk like that. It was important that Jesus' mother be a prophetess. Well, reason number seven, God also chose Mary because she wasn't a complainer. Throughout the Holy Scriptures, God makes it very clear that He dislikes and judges complainers. He needed a submissive woman who could be led by the Holy Spirit. For example, who could be led to Bethlehem the city of David, to give birth. And when Mary and Joseph arrived to participate in the national census, it was time for her to give birth to Jesus. The location would fulfill Bible prophecy because in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, there's a prophecy that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah. This prophecy eliminated all other cities and towns in the world where the Messiah could be born. The prophet Micah narrowed the possibilities to one tiny village just south of Jerusalem. But can you imagine how perplexing circumstances were? Mary was carrying the Son of God, the Messiah. What hopes and wonder must have filled her soul. Yet in reality, she had to endure giving birth amongst animals in a crude, smelly stable. But there's no record in this word of Mary complaining about her seemingly disappointing circumstances. She wrapped the Messiah in swaddling clothes and laid Him in a manger. Being a prophetess, she no doubt would know that her actions weren't without significance. She put the bread of life in a manger, a feeding trough. Reason number eight, God also chose Mary because she knew how to ponder all of these events in her heart. Luke chapter 2 gives us the narrative of angels announcing the birth of the Messiah to the shepherds. And the glory of the Lord had surrounded them. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. The shepherds spread the word about this child and all who heard it were amazed. But Luke 2, verse 19, says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The angel Gabriel had promised Mary that her son would sit upon the throne of his father David, a prophecy that's yet to be fulfilled in the future. And so here he was, cradled in a manger. She was highly favored, but on the other hand, When she and Joseph dedicated the baby in the temple, the prophet Simeon forewarned Mary that a sword would pierce through her very soul. There were so many contradictions, yet she pondered and treasured everything in her heart. What a woman. Reason number nine, God also chose Mary because she could follow the Lord's orders to go to another country. Even as a refugee, in order to protect the life of the Holy Child, Mary and Joseph had to leave suddenly to take refuge in Egypt after Joseph received a warning dream that King Herod would try to kill the baby. Mary was a submissive wife and didn't complain about the arduous journey. When God tells you to go, do you pick up and go? God speaks to many believers to go on missions, but how many obey as quickly? as Mary and Joseph did. Number 10, God also chose Mary because she was willing to endure shame. The shame of her son being accused of being illegitimate and the ultimate shame of his death on the cross as a criminal. She had the strength of character to stand by her dying son. She didn't shrink from the most horrific scene any mother can imagine. Surely like Abraham when he was willing to offer up Isaac on the altar because he believed in the resurrection, Mary knew in the depths of her heart that God could raise Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Number 11, God also chose Mary because she was a woman of prayer. The book of Acts notes that Mary was present among the apostles and believers and the brothers of Jesus in the upper room when they all received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Those who were present received the Holy Spirit because they were men and women of prayer. And our final reason, number 12, God chose Mary because she was a woman of action. Not only did she stand sentinel at the cross when her heart was breaking and a sword was piercing her soul, She was in the upper room to receive the power of God. And don't forget that at the wedding in Cana in John chapter 2, Mary actually took the initiative to propel her son to perform his first public miracle, the transformation of water into wine in order to replenish the wedding wine. When speaking to the servants at the wedding, Mary's motto was, do whatever he tells you to do. And that word applies to us right now. Mary would say to you and to me, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And what does Jesus command us to do in this word of God? Concerning salvation, he says to one and to all, let not your hearts be troubled. He said, believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, he said, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. Concerning healing and deliverance, Jesus says, Do not fear, only believe. And to the weary, he says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Mary's motto is, whatever He tells you to do, do it. So receive Him now. Trust Jesus now for salvation, for healing, and for daily guidance. And whatever He says to do, do it. Because you can never go wrong when you obey the Lord. And if you desire to be used by the Lord in these dangerous but exciting last days of gospel opportunity, I encourage you to develop the same attitude and attributes of both Mary and Jesus. First of all, like them, have a genuine and burning desire to do the will of God. Even as Jesus was in Gethsemane before he had to endure the cross, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. As Mary submitted to the angel's message, she said, let it be unto me according to thy word. Secondly, be willing to pay the cost for the rewards of ministry, and most of all trust in the Lord's promises because all who put their trust in Him will never be put to shame. It's so very urgent that every person right now makes a decision concerning your future. If you don't receive Jesus as your Savior now in this life, someday you'll face Him as your judge. In this ministry, we want you to be sure that you've responded to the Lord's free offer and gift of salvation. The Bible says believe on the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and you shall be saved. On the day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter urged the people of Jerusalem to be saved from this corrupt generation. And how can we be saved from our corrupt generation? The method is the same today as it was in the Bible days. Romans ten nine says that if you will declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. And Jesus also paid the penalty through his vicarious sufferings for all of our sicknesses and diseases. That's why healing is part of the good news. By his stripes, we were healed. Believe it. Well, in the meantime, we'd like to continue to encourage you day by day with hope and good news as you visit our social media, and also you can visit our website at exploits.tv to watch any of our videos at any time on a wide range of topics, including healing and Bible prophecy. You can also click online to receive our free ministry newsletter, Exploits. The name of our magazine is based upon Daniel 1132, which says that the people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and will carry out exploits, the works of the Lord. And so, until next time, always earnestly contending for the faith and praying for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dark, Shalom.
0: Our ancestors knew their Bible. This medieval map from about 1300 shows the known world and at the very center is the holy city of Jerusalem. Today, Jerusalem is still the apple of God's eye. It's from Jerusalem that Jesus commanded the Word of the Lord should go forth into all the world. That witness is what the Jerusalem Channel is all about. It's only through the support of you, the viewers, that we can continue to bring video teachings and daily website updates of what God is doing in these last days. For viewers in the United States, our ministry is tax-deductible, and in the U.K. we're a registered charity to qualify for gift aid. You can make a credit card donation through our secure website, or by check to our postal addresses in the U.S. and U.K. Please help us to continue and expand this outreach of the gospel through the Jerusalem Channel.